I have a great advantage. I can see all your faces. <laughs> Except for a few that are, they've disappeared altogether. <laughs> Hiding in the balcony. What an amazing assembly we are as we gather this night. Friends and strangers, pilgrims, visitors, travelers, young and older, and all kinds in between. All gathered into this wonderful space. Why? What are you doing here? A thoughtful poet says it this way. We told her she couldn't go because she was too young to stay up so late. And she told us that the baby Jesus would be there and he was younger than she. <laughs> and we told him he couldn't go. He was too old to brave the cold night air. And he told us that he would rather greet heaven from the Christmas Eve service than to be found slumped in front of a TV. And so we bundled them up against the night cold, against their own defenselessness, against our better judgment. And they went off with joy to the church. And my prayer is that those of us who think that we're in charge of the world and the church and of each other, that we will remember that the stable was filled with such as these, those who could not keep from rejoicing. So my friends, we are gathered here this evening to hear the story of the birth of a child whose name had been foretold generations before and who was then duly named Jesus, Emmanuel, God in our midst. Would you not have felt cheated if that great story from Luke was left unspoken this night? I would have. There's something powerful, something deeply spiritual when it is proclaimed in the midst of the aura of this evening. Luke is such a great storyteller. The details are familiar to us. We could perhaps almost together recite it from heart. And it's not just because he is recalling this great historical event, but because underneath the language and inside the language we are able to put ourselves. We are able to find our way into that scene. And we are able perhaps to kind of push the folks to the side, the shepherds and the sheep, and say, that's my place. Let me kneel down there. But make no mistake, this is not an innocent bedtime story. For it awakens in us a radical understanding of what really ought to matter in life. 
underneath the words and the phrases. Luke takes us beyond the sentimentality of this delightful scene into the more engaging, if sometimes difficult, teaching of the life, death, and the resurrection of the Son of Man. In the child of Mary and Joseph, the Word of God, we say, has become flesh. And the shepherds hurried to see this wondrous sight, and no matter where our hearts might be, or where our lives might take us after this evening, we know, deep inside, that there is room for joy today. The joy that flows from the infinite and unconditional love of God for each one of us. No matter how great the efforts that we put forward in order to be happy on our own terms, the deep and profound joy that begins with the love of Jesus Christ is beyond all measure. In the extraordinary nature of this night, with all its beauty and its excitement, with greetings and gestures of joy and love that are so easy, so sincere, and so necessary, there is an honesty, a pure, simple goodness that we really hope will never leave us. The birth of a child who is also Savior seems so innocent and, and so beautiful in the story and in the artistic depiction of a crash. And yet, we sense, of course, the political unrest of that time into which he was born. How there were religious factions and how there were divisions. One could say that even then, there were taxing times. There was war among nations. There were human needs and illnesses, and yet the meaning of that event stretched 200 and some 2,000 years of human efforts. To make it more than just a birth announcement, it changed the course of history then. Surely that change can be born again in each one of us. God's grace has arrived in our midst. Not with mountains trembling, or drummers drumming, or even lords a-leaping. The joy of God's grace has stretched across the years and generations of believers to come to rest in our midst this night. And I believe, I really believe, that the joy of God's grace in the silent and tender embraces of people in love here in this place and in all places all over the world is a true joy. And I believe that the joy of God's grace that is born this night in the homes of those who could not afford much this year, but who are opening the gifts that others have in some way provided through giving trees and many communities of faith, through quiet, just unobtrusive ways that they have been helped by all kinds of people, including many in this place. Joy that has been provided to children because it is a children's celebration too. 
joy from parents who have struggled, and hundreds of good men, women, and children who in their own way simply brought joy to another. And I believe that the joy of God's grace will be manifest to all those who this night need a shoulder to lean on, or arms to embrace them, a smile to give them comfort, no matter what grief or what hurt any of us might have known since last Christmas. And I believe that the joy of God's grace is born this night in the hearts of those who are sick and tired of being sick and tired, and who have more questions, perhaps, than answers, and yet who still have the strength to give birth to a measure of hope one more time. The joy born this night may not fully heal a broken heart or a relationship, or completely satisfy all of the hungers that we have or find shelter for all those who seek it. But my friends, the joy of God's grace has the power to strengthen our resolve, to change at least our little corner of the world, so that it will be true once again what the angels on that hillside near Bethlehem announced. God's good news is for all. No one will be denied. We came to this place tonight from our many journeys to stop for a while to contemplate, to ponder the meaning of Christmas once again, to celebrate the meaning of the birth of Christ in word, in music, in silence, and in song, in gestures of peace, and in the sacrament of our common table. My dear friends, grace has been given to us again this night. Perhaps the joy in our lives is but a glimpse of what the angels sang, but it is enough for us to give thanks and praise to God. It is enough. So my Christmas prayer is that the glory of God in the highest heaven bring joy this night to all of you and to our world that remains in need of light and peace. Tonight, someone will see a star of hope for the first time. Tonight, someone will brave the cold and the dark to kneel before the light of the world. Tonight, someone will know peace in their hearts after a time of sorrow. Tonight, someone will hear angel voices singing with joy. And I pray that that someone will be each of you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.